Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Thank you, Randy, and good morning, everybody. Hope you all are doing well. Happy New Year. Uh, Thanks to Ben for last week and for Take Two. I know a lot of people have commented that they really enjoy Take Two on Wednesday nights at 7. So I encourage you to listen to that. We're also going to move that up and put it on our podcast so that you can listen to it, uh, not only watching it on YouTube. Uh, Again, we are here Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7 live on YouTube, so you can join us then, but we will put the take two on the podcast as well and have that available also. Uh, A couple of other things that I wanted to kind of let you guys know about. Um, One is we've got an app coming soon. It's going to be for Genesis Upland, and it's going to allow us to be able to communicate to everyone more easily than sending in emails and those kinds of things. We'll be able to have notices that go out. So if we're doing something special, you know right away if you have the alert set on uh, or can look at the app and get that information directly from your phone. So just letting you know that that's already in the works. We're just waiting for approval from Apple. And another thing that's happening is tomorrow... What we are going to be doing is we are going to be taking lunch and dinner to all the nurses and staff in the ER department at San Antonio Hospital. It's going to be at 11 a.m. and 8 p.m., and we are doing this joining with Buffalo Wild Wings. And the reason it's Buffalo Wild Wings and San Antonio Hospital is because I have connections at Buffalo Wild Wings and Connections at San Antonio Hospital, and so it worked out. I say this so that you can, if you would like to uh, give towards this, I'm thinking it's going to cost around $400. I'm still kind of talking with them at Buffalo Wild Wings. They're giving us a deal on uh, basically a a lunchbox that's going to have some boneless wings and some french fries and then the carrots and celery and the different sauces, whether it's the ranch, blue cheese, or I don't know if they have other sauces. But anyway, we're going to take those to them uh, tomorrow afternoon, well, morning actually, 11 a.m., and then in the evening at 8 p.m. The reason 11 a.m. is because the nurse's shift starts at 7, usually to 7, and so that way... We have lunch covered for the one, and then the other group, when they get there, they'll have their dinner as they start at 7 and go to 7 in the morning. So that's what we're going to be doing. If you'd like to give towards that, 
Go to our website, thegenesisstory.com. There you will see how you can give, and you can do this through Venmo, Zelle, or through the app or the website itself. And you can mark on the different places that you would want to give towards this. You know what I'd love to do is do this on a regular basis, maybe once a month. And it doesn't have to always be just San Antonio Hospital, and it doesn't have to always be Buffalo Wild Wings, although we could have Wild Wing Wednesday, right? Anyway, sorry, it just went went there. Um, But it would be great for us as a community to help, whether it's the nurses, uh, police officers, fire department, those who are really essential workers, and, and I know others are essential workers too, the people who work at, you know, the stores and stuff, you know, whether it's Sprouts or Walmart, I guess. But I, I think, I don't think we can give Buffalo Wild Wings to everyone at Walmart. Um, so this is where we're starting. And it's our way of stepping into things and just to say we notice you, we care, and we want to be a part of that. And so I share this with you so that you can participate with us in this endeavor. Also, if you would like to be one of the people delivering the boxes to the hospital, uh, we could use two people for both the morning and the evening uh, let me know. You can send us an email at info at thegenesisstory.com. If you have my cell phone, you can text me. Um, I've got a couple of people who are interested. I'm going to pick up the wings from Buffalo Wild Wings, but maybe I can meet you there. And then two people with masks can take them to uh, the hospital, and we'll direct you where to go there. So if you're interested in being a part of that now or even in the future, sign up. Give us your name, and we can work that out with you. Um, And again, all those things that are necessary, you can find on the website. So go to info at thegenesisstory.com. As far as announcements, I think that's it right now. Remember, we are here because you are supporting us. So I encourage you also to go to the website and just continue supporting us in this way. Uh, We can continue coming online and doing the things that we're doing here with you. I'm real excited to start this series, not just because it's 2021. We were just talking back and forth about, you know, oh, good, 2020's over. And then some of us here are very pessimistic and saying, oh, 2021's going to be worse. Um, and then some of us are saying, no, it won't be until 2023 that things get worse. So we got a lively group here. But, you know, anytime there's change, uh, there's potential for the change to be good. There's, there's the potential for things to happen. And I'm excited to talk to you about this series of Grace and Truth that's going to be about four parts because it's been transformational in my life. It, it's been helpful for me to kind of see how I am living in this life. If God is present and at work. And his work is uniting all things to himself. Then how am I supposed to participate in that work? And in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, the writer says, Since then, 
We have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So we see that one of the ways that we are to live is to lean into this with confidence. Confidence in this grace, which is one of the things we're going to be talking about. Grace is an important thing because it's a confidence that's not based on our intelligence. It's not based on our theology. Oh, I've I've got the right things in place, so now grace is applied to me. It's not based on if I'm likable or not, or if I'm really doing well. It's simply because I'm loved. And what does this love look like? What does this grace look like? Are we only loved when we're good? Are we only loved when we are filled with faith? What happens when I doubt when I I don't trust God? What happens when I am acting out in a way that is not seemingly, that is not conducive with being a follower of Jesus? Does, Does this love disappear? Does the confidence dissolve? Or or can I still have confidence even when I'm doubting, even when I'm frustrated, even when I'm angry, even when I'm impatient, even when I'm behaving badly? Can I still have confidence in this grace? And, And we often look at this love and this grace as kind of a, I don't know, a binary system, right? I got the whiteboard here. So you know we're serious in 2021. We've got a whiteboard. But a lot of times what we'll do is we'll look at grace and truth kind of on this line. And we'll have truth here. And we'll have grace over here. And so we want to kind of balance. And we can look at grace as like being nice, right? It's like God's being nice to us. He's being kind to us. And then truth is this is what's required of us. And so someone goes through something and we kind of balance these things. And there's kind of one or another. And we're trying to live in this balanced idea of what grace and truth are. And so you have a circumstance, let's say divorce, right? You have something that's in divorce and you tell someone, the, well, the truth is, the Bible says, truth always starts with the Bible says, by the way, if you haven't noticed that, right? The Bible says, okay, that must mean it's true, even though there's 20 different interpretations of what the Bible says on that verse. The Bible says that divorce is bad, God hates it, and so it's a terrible thing. But hey, God still loves you and forgives you. And so how do I live this? Well, I just, you need to know the truth, but God still loves you. And so you're kind of like, okay, what am I doing? Well, you know, what was I supposed to do? He, he, he left me or he was abusive and, and these things happened. And now, yeah, well, the Bible says this is the truth and we're holding to this, but hey, God still loves you. 
And there's this kind of, you feel like you're in the balance of these two things, working with one another. This being nice is like caring for people, but then there's the tough love. Hey, I just got to tell you like it is, right? This is how things are. And it could be a number of topics that have this kind of ideology about them. You know, oh, you're having a problem with addiction. Well, the truth is your, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's bad. The Bible says, right? I'll, I'll give you a Bible verse about that. But hey, God still loves you, but you need to know the truth. And so it's like, okay, God loves me, but I, I'm living with this kind of shadow hovering over me, right? Or our parents, you might notice this when raising your kids, there's kind of the good cop, bad cop going on. Right, And it switches depending on the, the offense, I guess. But sometimes, you know, you're like, hey, you need to clean up your room. You know, it's just a mess. And the truth is you got to take care of these things. and You got to do this. and You got to be responsible. And then the other spouse says, hey, don't be so hard on them. You know, they're having a hard time right now. This, this is going on. And it's like, yeah, but they need to understand these things. And you find this kind of bad cop, good cop going on. And Jesus doesn't balance nice and tough. Instead, John tells us that the love that is expressed through Jesus is captured in the phrase, full of grace and truth. In John 1, verse 14, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jump down to verse 17. It says, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. And so Jesus doesn't balance this grace and truth. It's not this back and forth, grace on this side, truth on this side. Jesus embodies them both completely. And grace and truth aren't techniques that he uses. They are the posture that he inhabits in which he engages with others and it requires wisdom and actually some imagination. And in the weeks to come, we are going to look at how Jesus lived into this grace and truth how it shows up in his interaction with other people. Because as we understand Christ, we see that truth without grace isn't really truth. It's more like the, the bad cop getting tough. And grace without truth isn't really grace. It's just being nice. We're all going to get along. And if you try to get one without the other, we end up really with neither. And we end up with a shadow grace and a shadow truth. And so to change this idea that maybe you've had or we've had about grace and truth being on one side or the other, we're going to develop a grace-truth matrix. Don't you love that word matrix? It makes you think of matrix. Uh, (laughs) And this just helps, gives us a little bit of nuance here so that it's not just this dualistic thinking. 
So we're going to have grace, and I'm going to call this basically like high grace, a high level of grace. And this will be a high level of truth. So we're going to start with that, but then we also have a low truth. There's still truth here, but it's not a truth that we see lived out like Christ. And then we're going to have a low grace. And we're going to look at these four quadrants and see that there's a lot more nuance than just either or when it comes to truth and grace that we live in. To be full of truth and grace is to create a culture that looks like Jesus. It's to create something that looks like what the kingdom represents. And that's what we want to lean into, and that's what we want to learn here, right? A low grace, something that's over in this place, when we are committed to truth, but not a whole lot of grace, it creates what I'm going to call a call-out culture. I'm going to use a different color just to just to call it out. Exactly. Can you see that on the board? Eh, maybe I'll use a blue next time. Anyway, you can see it. The call-out culture, it's mainly concerned with things that are done correctly. Making sure that you're following things by the book. And every flaw, every inconsistency is pointed out and dealt with. And the assumption is that life is about doing the right thing the right way, and the best thing you can do for people is point out the wrong that they're doing. Has anyone lived in a call-out culture? Right? Many churches are in a call-out culture. The Bible says this, this, and this, and now you have to live this, this, and this. And it says, we just read where the law was given by Moses, but truth and grace were given by Jesus. But then this truth kind of leads us back to this legalistic thinking where it's all about doing the right things the right way. And the more serious you are about sin, then the better it is. So many times, if you can make people feel bad about themselves, they consider it a really good study, right? Oh man, I was so convicted because I pointed out all the wrong things or all the things you're not doing right. You know, and so I could get up here and I say, you know, you need to pray. Jesus prayed in the mornings and Jesus went off alone to pray and you need to pray and you need to read the word. You know, you have to have the, if you're not in the word, seven days without the word makes a week. You know, you, all these things I can start bringing out to you that make you feel like, oh man, I'm just not doing enough. I'm not, I'm not meeting that needs. And it brings out this kind of call out. And people think, oh man, that was really good because it showed me all the wrong that I'm doing. But that's not usually what happens. Usually this culture pursues some kind of goal, this goal to appear spiritual, this goal to serve another purpose, like maybe the ministry, those kinds of things. And achieving this goal is the main purpose, to get people to do these things. We think that speaking the truth in love that Paul talks about in Ephesians 4 is our license to tell people 
what they're doing wrong. I'm telling you the truth in love. Or maybe I'll use it like this. I'm a fruit inspector. You heard that one? Oh, boy. And my whole point is to call out all the wrong I see, but I'm going to do it in a nice way because I love you, bro. Hey, man. I, I, I see you haven't been to church in a while. I just want you to know, man, you know, you got to be there. It's because I love you. I'm going to call you out on these things. Or I see this happening, and so I feel it's my job to tell you the wrong that's doing. Now, there's little grace here. There's just this point and emphasis on the truth. Think about parenting. Calling out and parenting expects quick obedience, right? Instant obedience. There's the threats, the warnings. If you don't do this, you're grounded. This is how it is. I'm not saying these things are all wrong, but if this is all there is, there's this idea of punishment. You're going to reap what you sow. And when they don't comply, the hammer comes down. The judgment comes down. You're, you're getting it wrong, and here's how you're getting it wrong. Now pull it together and get things right this time. It's all about calling out the wrong that is there, pointing out the wrong that is there, expecting them to live in this idea of truth. In the end, call out culture overpowers others. And, and really what it does is it disconnects us from one another in relationship. Because I'm always pointing things out or you're always pointing things out. And so we're living on this thin ice of I got to do what's right so that I can look the right way. The truth here is different from the truth we see lived out in Jesus that sets us free. The truth sees and points out what's wrong and tells you to get it right. Call out culture doesn't result in this idea of righteousness that it hopes for, and it doesn't lead us to the place of dwelling in love like Jesus. Instead, it separates us. It divides us from one another. It creates a culture of hiding and of performance-driven by fear, guilt, and shame. You see, I'm struggling and I'm drinking too much, but I can't tell anyone about that because they'll call me out. And so I'm gonna hide the fact that I'm drinking. I'm gonna feel ashamed about it and I'm gonna pretend I've got it all together. And we can live that way, not just at church. We can live that way with our family. I don't want them to know I'm struggling. I don't want them to know that I'm having problems in my marriage. I don't want them to know that this is happening because they'll call me out and I'm supposed to live on a higher plane so I'm gonna pretend everything's okay. And so it leads to this pharisaical attitude of life. And when we're committed to high grace, but hesitate to speak out the truth to one another, we create a different culture that I'm going to call hangout. And we can jump back and forth to these different cultures, right? You might live and call out for a while. And it's all about, you know, getting things right. It's all about the Bible says. It's all about this, 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 and this is how you're supposed to do it. 
And then if you're in youth ministry, um, you go to the hangout culture, right? Where we're all just friends. We all just get along. We're all going to be buddies here. When we're committed to this grace without speaking truth to one another, this disempowers people. It disempowers people, but not by not trusting that they're able to actually make changes that need to be changed. The concern in this culture is that everyone is getting along, that there's no conflict, right? That nobody feels uncomfortable. Any issue or conversation that could be considered uncomfortable or awkward is managed away or avoided, right? It's like, oh, let's not bring that up until it comes up and then immediately goes back to call out. Right? Oh, no, everything's okay. Hey, fine. Now, I know you're struggling. I know you've got a problem in this area. I know your marriage is doing bad, but I don't want to bring it up because that's going to make things uncomfortable. And so I just assume leave it alone because I don't want to press into something that's going to be awkward. And really, this is kind of where codependency develops. This is where we get a passive-aggressive attitude towards people. It's like, man, I really wish people would help out more. Oh, but I can't say anything because if I tell them, then they're going to be upset. So I just throw clues out there. Well, we're really in need because no one came out this past Wednesday when we had our cleanup day. Oh, we really have need of help with the children, but none of us care, I guess, that much about our kids, right? We, we start throwing these things out to try and make people feel guilty, but we don't want to really call them out. So we want to just kind of hang out. But there's this tension, We've seen this playing out recently in our election and the racial tension our country's gone through, where it's like, hey, everything's fine as long as we stay on the same platform instead of having a difficult conversation about the things that are happening that are going to press in and make us uncomfortable, because when we do that, people leave. And so let's not have that difficult conversation. Let's not talk about why people think differently than you do or than I do. Let's not allow any conversation that pushes into the, the hardship that is in this conversation. And when it happens, people separate. Instead of working through disagreements, dealing with difficult situations or discomfort of other people's opinions... When they're held, we just leave. Call out separates us from one another by insisting we call it like it is. Hangout is so concerned with staying together and everyone being okay that we shrink back from difficult conversations. Call out creates a culture of performance and hiding. Hangout creates a culture of pleasing and pretending. Pretending everything's okay. And think of this in the parenting section, right? This hangout is the helicopter parent who makes sure the kid gets everything they need, is there to make sure, pick up every mistake, help them with any difficulty to make them feel better. They're going to watch over them so that their child doesn't have to face any problems. And in the end, hangout culture disempowers others by denying their ability to take their own responsibility. This grace is not like Jesus. It's a shadow grace. It's a shadow of it, but it's not the embodiment of it. 
Everyone's working overtime to make each other happy and pretending that they are fine all the time. It never achieves the peace it hopes for. It just tries to keep the peace, but never connects on a deeper level. And notice there's kind of a tightrope. The, the good and bad that we we're talking about kind of goes back and forth here, right? Where, hey, no, it's good. Hey, no, here's the truth. That's that dichotomy that splits many times in, in that way. And, and stop for a minute and reflect maybe where you've experienced these cultures in your life. Has it been at church? Maybe you went to a church where it was all about the call out, all about getting it right, all about being really serious, you know, with sin. And then it's like, oh man, that was just too much. And so you changed churches and you went to a church where everyone was just friends, everyone's happy, everyone's just, let's not deal with the hard stuff. Let's just all hang out here. Maybe in your home, this is where you live. In the home, it was always the call out. Hey, you got to get it right. You got to do things the right way. If not, you're failing. Or maybe it was the hangout. Hey, don't bring up anything bad. If you bring up anything bad, we all get uncomfortable. And <laughs> let's not talk about uncle and his issues. Let's just let him continue drinking and going crazy. And there's kind of this pendulum swing oftentimes. We'll swing to one and like, oh man, and then we swing to the other. And the thing about both of these is they leave you thoroughly exhausted. You're exhausted trying to live in this call out, doing things right, pretending to have it all together. And you're exhausted in this hangout, pretending everything's okay when it's not. It's exhausting and it's aggravating. And I've been in both of these. I've created both of these. The thing about these two cultures is they demand so much energy to put up the facade. And often what happens when we get tired of living in these two because of exhaustion, the other culture is checkout. Oh, man. Checkout is connected to self-preservation. Checkout is, I am so done pretending. I am so done trying to make these people happy. I'm trying to keep these people thinking everything's okay, and I can't stand this, and I can't stand this, so I'm just going to stop. And instead of overpowering others or disempowering them, we simply try to preserve our own power. And this is where we hide this is where we eat a whole sleeve of Oreos and watch three hours of Netflix and drink a six-pack in one afternoon. This is where we don't answer our text messages, don't make the phone calls, don't engage because we are tired where we hide, medicate, numb, disconnect, or just give up. Often after living in either of these other cultures, we go back to this time to retreat and check out maybe on our days off. Maybe it's on the weekends from work. I, I've been engaged in having to live in my workplace in one of these two cultures, and in the weekend, I'm just checking out. I don't want to deal with anything. 
So we go into that hibernation, wanting to disconnect. We don't calibrate grace and truth because we just don't care anymore. I've been here more times than I like to acknowledge. I mean, through this pandemic, a lot of people I've talked to are here. It's like, I just don't know how to function with all that's going on. And so I'm just going to, I mean, we've got to be distant anyway. So it's almost forcing me into that hibernation. I'm almost going to be a hermit, just stay to myself. And and I don't want to deal with the, the circus of social media. So I'm just going to back off. Instead of addressing the things and moving into them, we move away. We can move in and out of all these cultures or live in them for seasons without even being aware of it. This is what we're doing, but there's a better way to live. There's the way that Jesus lived that I want to lean into, that I want to explore with us, that I want to strive to allow to be a part of our lives. And it's not so much this is techniques that we do, but it's a character that we have because these three cultures are something that we accomplish through our efforts. In other words, what the Bible talks about the flesh, right? That's a biblical term, I guess, where we live focused on self, right? Call out, it's important that I feel confident and right so that I can point out what I think is wrong. The call out, it's important that I feel confident for these things or the hangout, I I don't want to make waves and rock the boat and deal with the messiness of life so I will keep quiet and not press too deep. Or the checkout, I'm just exhausted. I don't want to deal with it, right? All these things are part of how we struggle to make it happen. And when we find we can't, we kind of give up. That's not what we see in Jesus. He shows us a very different posture towards others. It's full of grace and it's full of truth. And it's born out of this sacrificial love. This is a commitment to radical grace and truth-telling truth listening, and truth living. And this one is call in. And we're going to be looking at these four different cultures the next few weeks to see how we can live into the one that looks most like high grace and high truth. Recently, I think it was Brent who asked me, what's the definition of grace? And I told him what I've always learned, right? The, the definition is unmerited favor. You don't deserve it, but it's given to you. And I want to add something to that, right? Because a definition gives you description, right? I could tell you, I'm going to describe a Mexican dish that is a fried tortilla, typically folded, filled with various mixtures of, you know, meat, beans, cheese, and lettuce, and salsa. And you might know, oh, that's a taco. Well, I can describe it, but that's not a taco. The only way you can understand what a taco is is by enjoying and partaking of a taco. 
and you know there's a variety of tacos, right? There is Taco Bell, but then there are tacos. See, a description doesn't give us the understanding. It's the same reason I can give a description of love. I, I can tell you what love is, even quoting 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind. We can go through this. That's a description of it, but really to get a clear description of love, that's where we need poetry. That's where we need music, right? That's what moves us to tears. When we hear the story, when we read the nuance of it and it moves us, because it's, it's so much deeper than just a description. Grace is not just a pardon of sin. It's a participation of life with the one who gives life. You see, this isn't just, oh, you're forgiven and you didn't deserve it. This is a participation with the one who gives it. And it's important to see these things, right? Shadow grace or hangout grace nervously manages relationships. While Jesus' grace is all about reaching out towards others to connect with them and to be with one. The call out and hangout is I'm going to describe to you a taco and the hangout. I don't care if you eat tacos and the other one. I just don't care at all. We're calling is let's have tacos. Let's have dinner. Jesus said in John 15, this is my commandment, verse 12, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Now, hang on a second. Has that ever bothered you? You're my friends if you do what I tell you, right? Has that ever worked with any of you? Hey, Randy, you're my friend if you do what I tell you, right? It's like, okay, well, I guess we're not friends, right? What a strange thing to say. You're my friend if you do whatever I command you. He goes on in verse 14 or 15, no longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I've called you friends for all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You see, Jesus is taking this place where he told the disciples, you call me Lord, and that's right, because that's what I am. But if I, who am your Lord, wash your feet, what should you do? He says, I call you friends if you do whatever I say, because first of all, I, I still am Lord. But I'm changing what that means and bringing you into the conversation. In other words, I'm having a relationship with you so that it's not just me telling you what to do, calling you out. It's not just me hanging out. Hey, we're buddies. It's actually me calling you into the relationship where who I am and who you are starts to meet, starts to congregate, starts to mesh, starts to overlap into our lives. I, I think it's important to realize grace wasn't invented when people sinned. Oh, now we need some grace. Okay, I'll make grace because people have messed up. Right? Grace wasn't invented as though 
it had to happen. Sometimes that's how we talk about it. Grace existed within God himself before the world was created because grace is God's giving of himself in relationship. It's always been there. Not just when you needed it. It's always been there. So when we can have confidence, find grace in time of need, it's not because it was manufactured for us. It's because it is the character of who God is that we get to live in. That's a big difference. That's a huge difference. Grace is God's empowering presence that reaches out to connect. It's God's desire to be with us. It is the gift of relationship. See, what you and I need isn't someone to tell us what we should do. You should read. You should pray. You should fellowship. You should tithe. You should, you should, you should, and it's because God loves you. Ta-da! Grace. What we need is to be in relationship. See, I, I have friends who have gone through divorces and they didn't need me to tell them how hard divorce is. They're living it. And they didn't need me to tell them, hey, but God still loves you. And sometimes they didn't even need me to just be there and pretend like there's nothing going on while they're hurting. Sometimes what needed is for them to be able to put their head on my shoulder and cry because, damn it, this sucks. And I get to be a participant in life with them while they hurt. And that's the calling. That's what Jesus did for us. And it's what he asks us to do of others. I don't have to pretend. And I don't have to have the answers because I don't. And guess what? You don't either. I don't care what pastor title you give yourself. Life is too difficult to have all the answers. And it's not enough for me to just pretend everything's okay. Sometimes we just need to be together in the difficulty and the struggle of what is happening not have the answers, not pretend it's not there, just be there with each other in the middle of it. That's all we can do sometimes. But here's the good news. That's what God does for us all the time. Grace has to do with presence. It seeks to connect and be with others in deep, meaningful, covenantial ways. Grace says, I see you. I hear you, I know you, and I love you. I'm glad to be here with you because you matter. A calling culture is marked by increasing connection, joy, and freedom. Freedom in relationships. And the idea of truth the same thing applies in the shadow truth or the call-out culture, pointing out what's wrong. We express Jesus' truth, which sees more than what's wrong and sets people free. In other words, 
Shadow truth is a weapon that is used to win, prove oneself right, and divide and conquer. Shadow truth is experienced as a heavy burden and ought or should overpower that controls the behavior, compels from external conformity in the name of doing what is right. Jesus' truth is all about seeing people as God sees people. Not just what's wrong with them and calling them in love to live out their true identity in Christ. Jesus' truth is vision empowerment, giving hope that calls people into God's kingdom. Let's say you have a situation where you you blow it. You are supposed to pick up the uh, food from uh, Claro's and bring it to the party, but you got there and they closed. And so now you go home and you've got family coming over, less than 10 people, and it's all safe, but you forgot the Italian sausage. Just hypothetically say this is a story. There is a fear of, oh no, what is she going to think of me? Oh no, I blew it. No one's going to get to eat sausage. There is the fear of how you're going to deal with this, and then you can result a certain way. Well, I can pretend something. There was an accident on the freeway. No, there was an accident. You were just late getting there. But you see, I'd rather pretend so that I don't have to deal with being called out. Or you can just tell the truth. And trust that people are going to still love you because you mean more than just Italian sausage. Which isn't a little thing. It's a lot. Italian sausage is pretty great. But you see, that's the truth of God didn't love me any less because I forgot to go to the market or forgot to take care of this or failed to do this. God doesn't change in his perception of me because these things happen. My perception of me shouldn't change either because I'm not living to this standard. I'm not living to this standard and I don't want to live here. I'm going to live into the call-in where God accepts me for who I am with all these shortcomings. And I can live in there too. Truth is about naming and living in reality as God sees it. In the calling culture, truth is employed as an instrument of salvation, setting others free from the bondage of performance. Jesus' truth calls people into embracing God's vision of their lives, proclaiming what life under the rule of Jesus looks like. It's full of grace and truth. We connect with others and call them into this divine union, which we ourselves are learning to be centered in, And you see, this is the whole point here. I want us to be able to center our lives in this high grace, high truth calling. This is where we want to live so that we stop checking out or go back to calling out or just hanging out. We want to live in this genuine relationship with one another. And just as grace is the relational aspect of God's character, truth is the structural aspect of his character. It's who he is. It's not something he does. 
This is totally different from the other cultures. You don't just add more of one. I'm going to add more grace. I'm going to add more truth. This is like learning a completely new language. I'm going to live in this because a conversation is needed. We, we rethink everything that we thought we'd known about grace and truth, and we sit at the feet of Jesus and watch him and say, please teach me how to live in this because my default is to go here or here, and when I'm exhausted, I go here, but what I really want to do is be here. You have friends or family that you love to be with, where you want to be with them because you can be yourself, right? You can let your hair down, so to speak. You can talk openly. You don't have to guard your speech, even though maybe you should. You get to enjoy the time with them. You get to talk about honest things, about how you're really feeling, what you're really going through. You see, the people who I have relationships like that with, I get empowered with that time because I know that I can trust them. I know that they are going to care for me. I know that I don't have to pretend, put on the, the fake spiritual side. I don't have to act like, quote, a pastor. I get to be Sam. Like my cousin calls me Sammy, right? She still thinks I'm eight years old. You feel at peace being with them and enjoy the time with them. Because Paul says the kingdom of God is a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit in Romans. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. You don't get peace and joy here. And you don't find righteousness, peace, and joy here or here. You only find it here when you're in relationship with the people you love and the people who love you. The other cultures don't foster peace or joy because you have to be on guard of what you say. If I say the wrong thing, I offend you and you'll leave the church or talk bad about me. If I press into your life too much, ask about those difficult situations again, you'll leave the church or distance yourself to me. Peace and joy are a facade in those other cultures. I'm managing emotions because it's all about that self-preservation. In contrast, when we give ourselves over to the love of God in Christ, full grace and full truth, we begin to build a kingdom culture of righteousness, peace, and joy. Peace together, which results in the joy of the Holy Spirit because we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, as much as any time as ever, we need to cultivate a call-in culture in a time where we are being pulled apart by everything around us, by pandemics, by elections, by racial tensions, we need now more than ever to live in truth and grace. 
and in unity with one another. And I want you to have your lives filled with the peace and joy of God. I don't want you guys checking out. I know it happens. I do it. But I want to move us to this call in. You know, some people are close enough to me where they can call me out. Alex told me I was fat. But he didn't didn't just tell me that, and he said it because he was joking with me, sort of. But what happened is we ended up being called into working and dieting together so that we can lose weight. Of course, we're doing it for money, so it's not all good, but motivation. But you see, I need people who I can live that kind of life with. I need people who I can talk that honestly with and open to because, yeah, I have gained. I weigh more now than I think I ever have in my life. What am I going to do? Well, I've been checking out, been eating that sleeve of Oreos. Carrie just brought me a bucket of peanut butter cookies, my total weakness. What am I going to do when someone calls me and says, hey, let's do this? It's not, hey, Sam, you should do this. It's not ignoring me and saying they don't see anything. It's, Sam, let's do this. Because grace doesn't leave you alone. It walks beside you. Don't forget that. Grace is not just, oh, you're forgiven, everything's okay. Grace is relational connection with the one who gives life. And that's what we are being called into. And I hope in the weeks to come, as we look at some of the stories of Jesus, we get to see this in play and learn how to put it into our lives more and more. Let's pray. Father, this has been so important to me in my life the past few months. Lord, it has been helpful for me to recognize the cultures that I live in. How I have been part of the call out, I've been part of the hangout, and I've definitely been recently part of the checkout. And there's an invitation by you and your Holy Spirit calling me back into the fullness of life that is grace and truth. And to live in that relationship, not only with you, but with the people around me. And I pray that Genesis would be a community of grace and truth. It would be a community where we learn how to love each other as you did. Having wisdom, knowing when to speak, what to say, when not to speak, what not to say, but more importantly, how to come alongside and be present with one another. Help us, God, to look more like you in this area. And may in the weeks to come, we learn how to do this. And I want to pray, Lord, for those who are watching, who are listening, who have found themselves checked out, found themselves exhausted, 
because of all the things that they feel they are required to do, whether it be pretending everything's okay, whether it be pointing out all the things that aren't okay, and they've come to a place where they've given up, I pray that you would revitalize them, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would breathe this new life into them, that they would be filled with peace and joy by your Spirit, and they would enjoy their life and relationship with others and you again. May this be contagious, God. May people want to be called in to this dynamic of life that is found in Christ. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to share with you that it is good news that Shannon has uh, returned back and is doing well, that she is going to be getting regular checkups as well as the caregivers, but she's back in her uh, home with the people caring for her. So that's great news. I know that there are people who maybe you know of who are testing positive with COVID right now. Be praying for them. Uh, I don't want to mention names if I haven't given permission to maybe you know of them, but please be praying for them. I saw when I went to Walmart this morning to get some dry erase markers, I saw Lakivia there, and she was asking, when are we going to get together again? I know we were going to, and then it closed. Uh, I expect there's going to be another spike after New Year's, um, just like there was after Thanksgiving and Christmas. Um, And so we will not be getting together until that subsides, and maybe uh, at the end of February we can start meeting again outside but we will see. We want to make sure that things are safe. I I don't know if I shared it before or I don't think I shared it while we were alive. Um, At the hospital, they are having difficulties because the airlines are freezing because they are using so much oxygen that it's causing really problems to their system, Um, and they're just overwhelmed. That's why we're taking the Buffalo Wild Wings to them and their staff because it's a lot that they're going through right now. They've got an incredible uh, workload that's upon them. And hopefully this will be something we can do with others who are in those situations to just show that we see them, we care, try and be that call-in culture that recognizes we do really love by how we live alongside of people. But any all these things to tell you, we will let you know as soon as we open up again it's something we have in mind. We don't want to live like this forever, and we're going to move forward as soon as we can. Uh, and maybe that'll be a good time to get out of the checkout culture if that's where you're living right now, uh, even if it's outside and just seeing each other in that way. But until we can be together again, may the Lord bless you, keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, give you peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. God bless you guys. Love you. Take care. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com 
as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.